and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank. Welcome back to the Remnant Call, and I just want to say thank you so much. I've gotten positive feedback and comments, and um, I know there's some of you still uh, need to email back uh, some, so please forgive me. It's, my job sometimes can be overwhelming. Um, you know, <laughs> I tell anybody, if you can do anything else except computers, you'll be very happy in life, probably. Anyways, uh, you know, it's been quite a journey the last several weeks, and you've seen the uh, last two episodes. Uh, the first, the one before the last was uh, stabbed in the back. Yes, it hurts, uh, because it does. And uh, if you didn't get to listen to that, please go and listen. And the other episode, um, last week's, was the abomination of desolation in the church. And believe it or not, those two episodes go together with each other. Um you heard the journey. I told you I've had some people come out and attack and say some really bad things, people that I really cared about and, and tried to help through the years, and uh, it just really hurt me. But, you know, God has once again proven how amazing he is. And I shared with you, some of you, you know, I do still attend a particular church. Uh, I don't disclose the denomination I go to because if you think you understand what I believe, you probably are a little bit off. We are going to do an episode of what does Brother Frank believe one day. We're going to do that episode, maybe coming up here soon, um, to get an idea of what I actually do believe. So you, I think if you've listened to the episodes, you understand me, but... I do still attend a church, um, and I love the people there. Uh, I don't fit into any denomination because I simply, truthfully, I study the Word of God, and I follow what it says, and I can't find a particular group. Um, I fellowshiped with all kinds of people, even home fellowships and stuff, but I don't find a particular group that I agree with everything. That doesn't mean I can't fellowship with you. Um, so I do fellowship at a church of people I love, and I'm like Paul, you know, I care about my own, uh, the ones I grew up with, the people, and, you know, and, and so it's hard for me to uh, not just walk away from people that I truly love. And I've had some issues with some people being challenged over their position and enjoying it. And I, long story short, when I made a decision after being several attacks of just side, you know, what, I don't need to serve in here. That's fine with me. Um, I kind of stepped out and my talked to my dad. He's like, son, just step out. Your, the church will correct itself. And, you know, just when you start to wonder, do people really love you and care for you? 
You know, sometimes you're there with people, you've been through their hardships, you've been to the hospital, you've been in their homes, you've visited, you, you, you comfort, and you wonder if they'll be there for you. And I'll tell you what, I want to say thank you to all my friends who were there for me. And those that tormented, they've left on their own. I didn't have to do anything to them. I just want to say thank you, Lord, because I don't want anything bad against anybody ever. And without having to do anything, God is in control. And so I just want to say praise you, Heavenly Father. Thank you in the name of Yeshua for your blessings. And so, Lord, I just want to continue with this thank you into a word of prayer that this episode tonight will help to help believers to know and understand that even though there are going to be some ups and downs in their walk, there are great things still to come. Lord, thank you for not seeing us for who we are, but what we can become. And so, Lord, I ask tonight that you will bless this show to truly be a light on the hill to be shining into dark places, Lord, to break through any of those shadows where people feel that they are truly struggling to get ahead right now. I pray that you would break through in that, Lord, because I ask it in Yeshua's holy and mighty and precious name. Amen. So I just want to thank God again because he is so great. I've learned through the years, folks, that I, God does such a better job than I do of getting a point across or doing something. I have tried before to prove my point or do whatever, only to no avail, but finally to back off and allow the Lord to do it his way. And folks, I'm telling you, if you follow God and do it his way, you will not be upset. And I know people say, ah, you know, they get into this whole bound up thing of, works and grace and do I do? Hey, listen, let me tell you what, you will never go wrong doing it God's way. Okay. Forget about all the works and grace. Listen, do what God says, believe in what he says, and then trust in what he says, and you will be okay. If God says do something this way, then do it. That's not legalism. That's following what the Lord says. People that think you can just go and live however you want, that's just crazy talk. That's crazy. We follow what the Lord says to do. We're saved by his grace because we don't deserve it. We all deserve death. But because he's so merciful when you don't deserve it to offer you salvation, we do what he says because we love him and we're so thankful for him and his word and guiding us through the dark places. Well, tonight's episode, folks, it's not, it's not a super long, super long episode. Um, I just want to get to the point because tonight's message, Slaying the Prophets of Baal, um, it's important because I feel so many people uh, have been where we're going to go tonight or currently are at where we're going to talk about this evening. And so we're going to jump right into this. You know the story of the challenge that was made on Mount Carmel. You remember what happened? I'll just pick it up right in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. If you want to grab the Word of God and just turn there with me, 1 Kings chapter 18. And, and you remember everything that's been going on leading up to this, how there was, you know, Elijah prayed that the heavens would be shut up. And, 
and uh, are the and then of course the the you know the waters dried up and then he had to go with the widow and and everything and 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 then uh the lord did wonderful miracles there and and so here he is he comes back and he issues out a challenge to ahab and so it picks up in uh chapter 18 um Starting in verse 21, or verse 20 says, So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. See, because Elijah had said to him, uh, you know, are you going to, you know, gather everybody to come on up here uh, to the Mount Carmel, and we're going to settle this once and for all. Verse 21, and Elijah came unto the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. You know why they weren't answering a word? Because they knew they were walking on the fence. They were straddling on top of the fence, and they kept their mouths shut because they had been called out. And see, I find that many people right now, you you might be thinking, well, am, am I – I'm not, you know, following two different gods, or I'm I'm not between two opinions. I'm trying to follow the Lord, but the actions in your life and what you pay attention and focus on would say that you are not actually fully following the Lord. But many people have their time that should be spent with God, sharing it with other gods of this world, whether it be entertainment or whether it be whatever it might be that's distracting you. From the God of heaven. And so the question comes very clearly to the believer. How long halt ye between two opinions? Make a decision. If God is God, then let him be God. But if Baal is your God, then let him be your God. Now, obviously, I'm telling you this because I, I want you to follow the Lord, but, but God sometimes gets sick and tired of fence sitters. He wants us to make a decision. Are we in for him or are we in for someone else? Because you know very well when you've been dating someone and you, or you've been out on a date, for us that are married, let's think back years ago, and you've, that's someone special that you loved. And you, you've been wanting them to commit to take this relationship to the next level, but they simply sit around and hem-haw and, and can't give you a straight answer, and it frustrates us because all you want to do is be with that person. And that's the same way God feels with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to spend time with us. And he asks us to take that commitment to the next level. But many times we are walking with God and with the world at the same time. And the Lord gets frustrated, I believe, just like we do, because it's in his word. And you hear it come out very clearly here, just like you hear it about the church in Laodicea. They were lukewarm. They couldn't make that full-on decision to follow the Lord. They loved to go into the church. They loved to have, you know, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, God is good. They loved that. But the rest of their life outside reflected something different. God wants us to make a decision who we're going to follow. And he calls 
us out. You know, I remember my dad used to say, son, the best sermons ever are those that call us to decision. Those sermons that cause us to make a decision. Because messages that cause us just to simply keep continuing on without coming to a a hard reality of looking at something and saying, do I continue in this which is leading me away from the Lord, or do I make a decision to turn my life towards the Lord and to follow him with all my heart? And that's what's going on here on top of Mount Carmel. And so in verse 22, and Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So Elijah's saying, you know what? I'm outnumbered here, okay? It's only me right here, right now. And I'm surrounded by 450 of those who are following Baal or Baal. Baal, I know that. I, I technically know that, okay? Just because I don't pronounce it right. Please don't send me any emails. I'm not a scholar, okay? And so. So here he is. He's talking about that. I'm the only one there, but he's willing to stand even though he is outnumbered completely. Well, you you know the story, and I'm not going to read through all of this verse by verse right here. You know the story, how the, how the prophets of Baal, they got out, and they took their bullocks in verse 26 and was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal, 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 sorry, from morning until evening, saying, O oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. So here they are in their nonsense. And yes, there are were false gods. There's the enemy out there, but there's no true God. And Elijah begins to mock them at the ridiculousness of them trying to have confidence in someone else besides God to deliver them in their time of trouble. I wonder how many of us run into that same situation. You know, I, I use this often because and I know people get frustrated, and I just don't care. But I talk about... Paying your tithe, okay? I am a 100,000% believer in paying your tithe. If you want to argue, please don't send me emails because I don't want to argue about it. We give back what belongs to God because it's his. And he's, we're thankful for the, him allowing us to, to uh, be a steward of his resources. And so here, God... You know, we return it back to him, and he says it's the only place really in the word where you can really challenge God. He says, you know, test him, prove him, he says, you know, if he won't pour out the windows of heaven. And so return to God what's his, and he'll take care of us. I'm not talking about blessing you with a Bentley, but I'm saying he will make it come through when you need it. And when you're in tough times, he will be there with you. Even when you don't see the deliverance right away, God is there. He'll take care of you no matter what. And so often we turn from God unto man in order to fulfill our need. 
See, we're there, and we have that money, and God's laying on your heart. You know what? Give, give a donation. Help that homeless person out. You know, give something to somebody. And we hold on because, no, 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 I have to ha- keep hold of this because I can't dare give it up. And, and God's like, why are you trusting flesh who will fail you? You probably won't keep that job forever anyways. And so you can't trust in God who says he'll open up the windows of heaven? And, and it's the same thing here with the prophets of Baal. They're doing the same things. And God looks at this madness like, what is going on? And Elijah's just flat out mocking them for their ignorance. The thinking that they can call on somebody else besides the Lord God Almighty to deliver them. So you remember, finally it came, and they were done. They had cut themselves, jumped up and down, went crazy all day long. And so finally Elijah said unto all the people in verse 30, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Now hold on just a second. I just want to mention this. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. Folks, when you allow some of these people in your fellowships, in your churches, that are destroying the churches, that are following after Baal, they're doing this to see they tear the altar down. You cannot let your church die over a few people. You can't let your fellowship die over a few people. Folks, we want everybody to be saved, but there are times when you need to stand up, rebuild the altar of the Lord, and say enough is enough. I'll let that one go for now, but think about it a little bit. So he calls everybody together in verse 32, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed, and he put the wood in, uh, in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid the wood and said, fill our barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice in the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled up the trench w- also with water. So you remember they were wanting Baal to bring them rain, right? They're down low on resources. So here, Elijah, they're, you know, they're low on water. It hasn't rained. The, you know, Baal hasn't given any water. He's saying, pour all this water out. I mean, this is a lot of water going to waste on top of this. He is getting ready to make a statement that not only does he have to wor- not worry about these little minuscule resources left over that the God of Baal, can, that Baal himself cannot do because he doesn't – he is no real God – But he's going to pour it out and show them that the Lord God doesn't need those last rations of water. He's got something even better. So the water's running, dripping, filled all around, not only on the altar, but the trench. It's filled up, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. And that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again, 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So here Elijah prays out to God. And when he calls out to the Lord in front of the prophets of Baal, he's surrounded by the enemy. He's got all the half-hearted believers, unbelievers. They're on the fence sitters. You know, the disaster, what's called, you know, the Israel at the time. They're a complete mess. And so here he calls and God sends down fire from on high and absolutely consumes everything, even the stones, all the water, everything is consumed up. And when God answers by fire, the people hear the message loud and clear. And when God does this miracle, Elijah turns around after that and he says, take these prophets of Baal. Let none of them escape, and they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Elijah, top of Mount Carmel, calling down fire from heaven in the midst of the prophets of Baal, and God answers by fire and does a miracle so radical that he literally eradicates those prophets in one evening. Elijah was on a spiritual high. I mean, think about it. Think about you being in Elijah's place right now. You've mocked the devil. You've called fire down from heaven. You've showed the God who answers by fire in front of the people. You've watched the altar not only be consumed, but the stones also to be burnt, all the water come up. You are living on the most spiritual high that anybody could possibly be on. Everything was going right for Elijah at that moment in his life. And you look at it and say, man, that's where I want to be. I want to be on top of Mount Carmel, slaying the prophets of Baal, calling down fire from heaven. See, living on that spiritual high where God is literally answering prayers. And many of you that are listening, you've been in those places before. You know what it's like for God to do that. And many of you probably remember that back to when you first became a believer, maybe. Or maybe when you first really kind of got converted. Or maybe you've never even been there. But for those that have been there, you know what I'm talking about, where everything, man, it, it just feels, man, God's answering. It's, it's radical. I'm on fire for the Lord. I'm excited. God can't go wrong. I mean, this is amazing. It's hallelujah. Listen to what the Lord did. You're telling your friends you've got a witness. You've got a testimony everywhere you go about God's goodness and everything's going right. And then you just don't know how it can change. And then all of a sudden in one day, boom. It changes like that, and your life turned upside down. Well, it did for Elijah. Chapter 19, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. 
Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, where he longeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, I take Take my life and take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And so here, Elijah, remember, he's on top of Mount Carmel. He's slaying the prophets of Baal. After that, the rain falls from heaven. It's a miracle what's going on. It's, uh, God has showed his power so radically. And Ahab goes back and he tells uh, one woman, his wife, you know, Jezebel, what's happening? And Jezebel says, I'm going to take you out. And here this mighty prophet of God had just slayed 450 prophets is asking for God to take his life because he's afraid of a woman. He's afraid of Jezebel. He went from on top of Mount Carmel to the Valley of Decision. He went to the bottom of the barrel like that. All because of a woman. You see, so many of us, we've experienced that spirit of Jezebel. We've experienced that attack. We, we've been on top and we've seen. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes that spirit of Jezebel. Here comes that attack from a church member. Here comes that loss of a job. Here comes that bad news from the doctor. And we're on top of the mountain. In one moment, we are at the very bottom. And we're wondering, God, why does this happen? Take my life. How does a prophet of Baal go from on top, or the prophet of God that slain the prophets of Baal go from on top of the mountain down into the valley in a moment of time? I'll tell you how he does it. Because he's human. Just like you're a human. And he's got shortcomings just like you and I have shortcomings. And Elijah was a powerful man of God, but he was also flawed like the rest of us. And even though he could outrun Ahab on his horse, he still couldn't outrun the fear of Jezebel because he was a man just like many of us men. And he was a human just like the rest of us. And that's how he fell back down to the bottom. You see, many of you right now, including myself, right? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I've had some serious ups in my walk with the Lord. And I've had some downs. And, and, and you know, and it's, it's at that moment, it's with those ones that they hit you and you, you feel so utterly beaten. And, and you start to wonder, does God even care? And so here Elijah's like, like, you know, Lord, just, just, it's enough, you know. Let me die. Take my life, oh Lord. I'm no better than anybody else. In verse 5 it says, And he slept and he slumbered under a juniper tree. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, and there was a cake baked on coals and a cruise of water. 
at his head, and he did eat and drink and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came in a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. So here Elijah's in the bottom of the barrel. And even at his weakest point, God still sends angels to minister. You see, a lot of times, folks, when you're in your worst place, God's got people to minister. But you've got to look for it. See, you can't, you can't keep just soaking in your sorrow always. See, it, the Bible, God said very, very specifically that it was when you're in, the, when he talked about in Psalm 23, I have prepared a table for you in the midst of your enemies. God's saying when you're in that middle of your enemies, when you're in trouble, when you're in that place where it feels like you can't get out, God says, I've got a table for you prepared in the midst of your enemies. And we know that table, it's where we sit down, it's where we sup, it's where we find comfort. And God says, not only does he have a table for you in the middle of your enemies, but he says, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. See, what Psalm 23 is saying is that when you are surrounded, when you are in the middle of your enemies, God not only has a table, but he's got a fresh anointing for your life. See, Elijah thinks everything's going wrong here. Elijah thinks his life is over. Elijah thinks everything's gone bad, but he doesn't even know yet what's still to come in his life. All he can see is his circumstances of what he's surrounded with at that moment. And God said, hey, listen, man, I got a table for you in the midst of your enemies. Here the angel brings him food. That food was so powerful it lasted 40 days. You want to talk about one amazing meal. And so here he rose, and he did eat, and he drank in the strength for 40 days. In verse 9, it said, he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of of hosts, for the children of Israel. And I have not, excuse me, For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, excuse me, I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And so here Elijah, he's in a total pity party right at this moment. He said, Lord, listen, I've been been very jealous and are zealous. For the things of jealous for the things of God, I've done what you said, Lord, and here all of Israel they've forsaken your covenant, but not me, Lord. I've done what you asked, and now I'm the only prophet left. I'm the only one truly following you anymore. See, Elijah could only see what was going on wrong in his life at that moment. And so many of us, we get into this trial, we get under attack, we get into these situations where we feel, where are you, God? And, and we, all we can see is our problem and what's going on around us. And we think, you know, it's all, we're the only ones going through that. And God's like, what's, what's wrong with you? Table 
And, and so we get the same problem Elijah runs into. And so in verse 11, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest here, Elijah? So here Elijah, right, he's caught up in the chaos of what's going on. He's caught up in his environment and the surroundings, and he can't see what's going on. And so God's given him a real strong lesson here. And so here it comes through this strong wind. But the Bible says it's not, the Lord's not in the wind, okay? And so and then he goes on and says there's a great earthquake and a fire, but the Lord wasn't in them at all. And it says, then a still small voice came. See, God's not in the chaos and not in the midst of everything that's going on. He's trying to show Elijah that put that stuff aside right now. That's not of me. It's the still small voice that you need to hear right now. See, many of you, you can only see the, the fire. And you can only feel the earthquake. You can only... Hear the wind blowing you to and fro all over. You can, and you're, you're all messed up and everything going on, and that's all you can see right now. But there's a still small voice that's trying to break through and talk to you. And he's trying to teach Elijah to turn off the things of this world, turn them down for a moment. And he asked Elijah, What are you doing here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So after all this, Elijah still saying, Lord, I'm the only one out doing your will. I'm the only one trying out here. I'm the only one that's struggling and suffering. It's just me. Oh, God. Has that ever been you? I can tell you it's been me. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return thy way to the wilderness. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel, king over Judah, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, Thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat, and excuse me, Abel Mehilah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room, and it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Heziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel. All knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So here Elijah's at his lowest point. He feels the world's coming around him and saying, God's saying, Listen, Elijah, man, I got work for you to do. You, you think you're the only one going through this? Elijah, you think you're the only one going through these things right now? 
You think you're the only one that's going through? Elijah, I'm preparing you to go and anoint kings right now, okay? I want you to go up to Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. You understand, Elijah? I got something bigger for you than what you're going through right now. Don't you see this? I've got 7,000 in Israel. They haven't bowed down to Baal. They haven't kissed him right now. They haven't done these things. Elijah, what you're going through right now is not to destroy you, Elijah. You're being prepared for a greater work than you can even imagine. And so many of you right now, and myself included, we go through trials and struggles, and the only thing God's doing, he's preparing us for what's coming. Because if we can't survive what's going on right now, what do you think is going to happen when everything gets pulled out from underneath of you? These trials that we go through, they are building our faith. They are strengthening us and establishing us, the Word of God says, so that we will be stable and useful in the trials that we're going through, if we will allow them, God is preparing his people to anoint kings and to do the things of God that they didn't even think that they could do. See, God doesn't see you for who you are, but what you will become in the future. And so here the Lord was preparing Elijah for another call, for something greater. But you might be thinking, no, Brother Frank, though, I've been, I've been down too long. I've been up on the mountain, but now I'm back down, and you feel like you're staying down. And, folks, when you're in a trial, it can feel like forever. But it's not. Because the truth is, it's going to take us back up the mountain again. He didn't leave Elijah in that place forever. He had a work for him to do. Second Kings, chapter 1. A lot of people aren't actually familiar with this. Verse, verse 5, excuse me. And then the messengers turn... Uh, actually, let's pick it all the way back up in verse 3. But the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. So uh, what had happened was Ahazia, Ahazia uh, fell down through a lattice. He'd gotten hurt and everything, and he was sick. And, and so he sent his messengers to go inquire uh, for, of Beelzebub, to the god of Ekron, to see if he would get better. And so God tells Elijah, he said, go and head them off. And tell, ask them, you know, is there, what, why are you going to create, to call on Beelzebub? Uh, the God of Ekron, is, it not because, is, there, is there not a God in Israel anymore? And so he goes and does it. And, and says, in verse 4, it says, And there thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from the bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. So Elijah tells him, listen, you want to go to Beelzebub? That's fine. You can get his healing, okay? You're going to come down. You're, go, you're going to go up on your bed, okay? And you're not going to come down, and there you're going to die. If that's who you want your healing from, then that's who you're going to get it from. Because when you serve the devil, your reward is death. That's your reward. He rewards just like the Lord rewards. The Lord rewards with life. The devil rewards with death. That's what you get for serving him. And so when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? 
And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go turn again to the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, before thou shalt not come down from the bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die? And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they said unto him, He was an hairy man, and girt with the girt of leather about his loins, and they said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. So they knew who met them when they, the messengers came back and told them what Elijah said. They knew who it was. And so in verse 9, it says, The king sent unto the captain of fifty with his fifty, and he went unto him. And behold, they sat on top of a hill, and he spake unto him, Thou man of God, king, hath said, Come down. So, the, so they send down the, the, the messengers right to go down. It says he took a captain this time of fifty with his fifty. He sends them down there. He says, You know what? That, Elijah, you come right down. Off there. And Elijah answered and said unto the captain of the fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there, shall, then, and there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. So here God takes Elijah back up on the mountain again, right? And so here they come and say, You know what? It's time for you to get back down off this mountain. And Elijah says, Uh-uh, I ain't doing it. No, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven. You see, God was preparing Elijah for something amazing. Because many times we have a miracle happen, we have something happen amazing, and we got confidence for a moment, but then the next trial that comes along, we forget what God had done. But now Elijah is learning to live in the power of God, and he says, you know what? No, I'm not coming back down. I'm going to call down fire again from heaven. And so this continues on again, and it says, And again he also sent with him another captain of fifty and his fifty, and he answered and said unto the man of God, Thus hath the, the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And fire came down once more and consumed them. So here he does it again. And then it says, he said, Again a captain of thirty, uh, a third fifty and his fifty, and they came the third fifty uh, went up and said and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties and their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, go down with him, be not afraid. And he arose and went down with him unto the king so here elijah finally the third set they got wise after you know two had died they're like look please elijah be let us be precious in your sight so elijah wasn't going down off the mountain that time until the lord told him to see this time elijah understood the power of god and he wasn't going to be moved no matter who was sent after him. And the only time he came down was when the Lord said, you can go now. And he knew that his God was with him. You see, folks, a lot of us right now, we've been up on top of the mountain, but now we get down in the valley and we forget, hey, wait a second. We're going to call down fire one more time.
You see, it's not that you're literally going to call down fire. But see, God, sometimes in our life as believers, we have those moments where we feel that awesome closeness. We see the power of God, and then we get down in the very bottom, and we begin to wonder, God, where are you? And the Lord is simply training us and teaching us how to rely on his grace and his mercy. Because he's got more work for us to do. You see, there's a world out there, folks, of lost sinners in need of a Savior. And just simply being aware and awake to the times is not going to cut it. No. God has called us to share the good news of His second coming. See, you don't have to be in a church, which is not a bad thing. You don't have to be in a home fellowship, which you need to be at least with somebody if you can. But everything all of us need to do, and that is to share the good news of the second coming of Yeshua and the grace that he has given in the forgiveness of sins. See, I keep bringing it back to that the other week when that, at that meeting, when that, you know, that one girl, she squeezed me so hard, and all she said is, I just want to be forgiven. I just want to be forgiven. You see, folks, we have a mission, and that's to bring forgiveness to the world through our Lord and Savior. Because nothing, nothing is more powerful than knowing that you were undeserving and God offered you forgiveness anyways. You see, nothing is more powerful than knowing that even though you've messed up and you've had some tough times, that God is still wanting to use you in his kingdom. It's not about how much you've messed up. It's about what are you going to do from this moment moving forward. What are you going to do from this day, from this message, moving forward? God has a plan for each one of us. And yes, there are times when you are literally slaying the prophets of Baal spiritually in your life. You're walking on top of the mountain. Everything's going right. And then there are those moments when you are down in the valley Feeling so much like God is going to just literally take you out. But the truth is, the Lord is preparing you for something greater. I don't know where you're at right now in life. But I'll tell you this right now, folks. God has got a work. And he's calling you to it. And he's preparing each one of us through our trials so that we can stand even when we are in the midst of 450 prophets of Baal. Won't you let God take over control of this trial that you're in right now? Imagine this, and like my wife so graciously reminded me the other week, Honey, why aren't you praising God in the midst of this trial?
I forgot. I got so wrapped up in what was going on that I'd forgotten to praise God. And you know what? He was still faithful. Lord, forgive me. I'm trying to remember to praise Him even when it doesn't feel like it's going right. Because a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't see anything but tragedy. And now God has worked out another miracle. And I bless His holy name for it. I'm going to wrap this show up tonight and pray for you. Because I believe in the God that I share with each one of you. I've been through too much, too much, to not know that he will never leave me nor forsake me. And he will do the same for you. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua that you would bless those that are suffering. Bless those that feel like they've been, they're, they're running from Jezebel. They're, they're, they're fearing for their lives that everybody's coming against them just like when they came against Jesus. And yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, the sad thing is, is many of us, we've known what we did. And yet we still need your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, for the promise that if we were to call upon you, that we have an intercessor. And if we ask to be forgiven, he will do it. So, Lord, I ask tonight that you would forgive each person out there that's been struggling. Lord, they've questioned. They didn't know what's going on. They feel they, maybe they've said some things they didn't mean to say. Maybe they, they acted, Lord, a way they didn't mean to act. And I ask, Lord, that you would forgive them. Forgive us all, Lord, when we've forgotten to praise you in the midst of our trials instead of just seeing and everything was going wrong and, and having this big pity party, Lord, when you've been trying to show us that you can sustain us even in our darkest of hours. I pray, Lord, that you will touch each person that hears this broadcast, and that you will rejuvenate them, you'll renew them, and let them know that you've got an army of believers out there that you are preparing for these last days and that you have a work for us. Yes, we maybe we've messed up. Maybe we've been doing something we shouldn't have. Maybe we've been at the bottom. But that doesn't mean that God's not preparing us to anoint kings one day. Just like Elijah. Lord, I ask this all. In the most powerful and mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus, the Savior. Amen. This is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Thank you.